following is a presentation of The Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something, and, and you don't know Justin. I don't even know Justin, but Justin encountered the life-changing power of God's Holy Spirit in this place this morning. He met, yeah, that's worth celebrating, he met just how wonderful Jesus is this morning in this place. And here's what we do at Connection Church. We love to celebrate baptisms. And coming up on Easter Sunday morning, which is April 20th. Listen, I don't want to take the spotlight off of this egg drop. It is going to be unbelievable. Like, if you miss the egg drop, I'm not sure you're getting to heaven, okay? Can I just say that? Is that legalistic? Did I say that out loud? If you miss the egg drop, and you're missing a lot, but the next day is Easter, and for like the church of Jesus Christ. That's like the celebration of all celebrations. He's the only person that I know who's ever died, spent three days in a grave, and then got up and walked out. That's worth celebrating, church, right? And so we're going to celebrate Easter Sunday morning because that's what we should do, and we're going to do it by celebrating baptisms. There are some of you in this place who have said yes to Jesus, like, Jesus, I am a sinner, and I need you as my Savior to take over my life and give me new life. There are some of you that have done that in this room, but you've never gone to the next step, and that is going public with your love of Jesus through baptism. Well, we're going to celebrate that April 20th, Easter Sunday morning, and what I need you to do, if that's you, if you're interested in that, There's a connection card somewhere on your row. And if you don't have one close to you, steal your neighbors, okay? And I want you to write your name, maybe your email address, so we can get a hold of you. And then you need, this is where it gets difficult, so focus. I want to be baptized. Good. See, I told you. It's tough. If that's you, we need to know that. And as you leave, you can drop it on the connection point table. You can drop it on the here to serve table. Or you can drop it on the welcome table as you leave. And we promise we will be in touch with you. Because Easter Sunday morning is going to be a celebration. I promise you that. So, with that being said, I need you to just focus on one of the screens here for just a second. And do you know what this is a picture of? I've searched far and wide for one of those, and I could not find one. Do I have any sixth graders in this room today? Sixth graders, raise your hand. I had the best sixth grade. Yeah, would you, would you, no, wait a minute, you're smarter than I am, so you can't come up here. Yeah, come on up here, come on up here, come on up here. Um, this is, this is Will, this is Will. Will, come on up here, give it up for Will, guys. Tell him your name, Will. Will. See? He's sharp, good-looking kid, respects his mom and dad, and says, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. I like this kind of kid. Do you know what that is, Will? I guess it's a telephone. It's a telephone. It is. You're exactly right. So i got a couple questions for you. So I'm going to go ahead and get all the jokes aside because this young girl who came up here earlier was full of them. Listen, that thing is plugged in. Bell South has come and hooked it up. It's working. And so now... I need you to call Bradley, my brother-in-law, Pastor Bradley Hill. I am not going to give you my cell phone number, but I'll give you his. And so would you call him 
on that phone. And you just walk me through it, okay? So here's his phone number. Ready? All right, it's like 688. I'm not going to really give you his number. But how would you make that phone call on that phone? What would be the first thing you would do, Will? Just look at it and not know what to do. For real? You, you wouldn't know how to use one of those, Will? Really? Awesome, man. Woo! You, you don't know how to use one of those? Help us out here, church. What would be the first thing that you do with that phone? You got to take the handle off, don't you? Okay, well, let me go make an easier one. That one's a hard one, dude. Uh, how would you text someone on that phone? You can't. You can't. There you go. You can't, man. But you've never used one of those probably, have you? Man, you're awesome. Guys, give it up for Will. Those phones are foreign to the younger generation. They're foreign. I have an old truck um, that, that I drive around once in a while, and on the side of each door is a little handle. And when I first got it, my oldest son, who's 12, he said, they, they, what is that? And, and honestly, think about it. How many more generations are going to pass before someone says to us, what does it mean to roll down the window? Hey, our cars these days and the generation to come, they're going to think, I want the window rolled down and it's going to go down, right? That's what's going to happen. But this, that phone and the rolling the window down, that stuff is foreign to the younger generation. But I just started to think and I just wonder how foreign is my God to maybe some of you sitting in this room today. I just happen to believe that my God is just as foreign to some of you And maybe some of you who have been in the church a long time, he may just be as foreign to you as that phone is to Will and his generation. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to tell you about my God. So what is it that pops into your brain when I say God? When you start to think about God, what is it that starts to pop into your brain? You see, my God is not an angry God. My God is not angry with you. My God is not a stubborn God. My God is not a selfish God. My God is not some unknown, distant, far-off being that if He is out there, He is too unapproachable and unknowable. That is not my God. But that's the God that seems so foreign to some of us sitting in this room. 
Well, Scott, if that is your God, you say your God is loving and gracious and you can know your God and you can talk to your God, then I may be interested in knowing a little bit more about your God. And can I say not only maybe you, but maybe thousands if not millions of others outside of this room, would say, I am interested in knowing just a little bit more about your God. And so questions like this follow. How do I get more of your God into my life? How can I experience more of your God? What must I do to know your God? Back in the old days, the answer would be this. Because back in the old days, and I'm talking ancient days, Jesus' time, there were so many gods, there were so many goddesses, that you did have to do certain things to get their attention. So let's just say, back in the old days, you lived in the city of Ephesus, and you were a female who was pregnant, and you knew that about 50% of all pregnancies back in those days you knew that for every two, one of those children were going to die during childbirth. And so what you would do to have more of God or to get to the goddesses, you would go to Artemis' temple, her temple. You would go to her temple and you would do all types of things. You would sacrifice You would make burnt offerings. Artemis would then either accept them or she would not. But you would do all that you could possibly do to get to her in hopes of her giving you a safe and healthy child. And so back in those days, to know this God or to know this goddess, your daily grind was spent trying to please the gods. Because your daily grind was nothing more than you trying to get to the God. But then there came this other God. This God who said that he was the only God. This one God who said he was the only God who claimed to be Jehovah, Almighty God, the one who created everything. And he turned the known world upside down on its head. Because no longer did he require all of the people to sacrifice and to give and to do in hopes that they may get to him. No, he flipped the script and he gave 
and he sacrificed all because he, God, Jehovah, was coming to us. You see, that's my God. And my God's name is Jesus. And some of us here, that even maybe confuses us a little bit. It may even throw us off a little bit in our thinking. And this morning, I don't have time to go deep into the doctrine, into the theology of all of this. But I want you to know that you can know my God. You can know my God. And if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, Scott, I don't know how to know this God. This is what I will tell you. And this is what I will tell everyone until God comes and takes me out of here. Is I will tell you to know my God, you need a New Testament Bible. And you need a New Testament and a translation that you can understand. And you need an ink pen. I use red. And you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You pick one of those four Gospels. It does not matter whichever one you like. And you read it. And for everything that you see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, talking about the man Jesus, you simply underline it. You circle it. You highlight it. Because when they're talking about this man that we know as Jesus, they are describing God. This God that some people see as foreign, unapproachable, unknowable, who's angry at them, who's mad at them, who's holding a grudge at them. And if you look through those four Gospels, I do not see that in the man of Jesus. God, you're saying God is Jesus? Yeah. Scripture says this. And I know that this is not the the go-to these days in the year 2014. I know that. I know that you cannot win an argument by saying, well, the Bible says. That's okay. I'm not out here to win an argument. I'm here to simply share with you and lead you if you're willing to let you understand what guides my life. If you do not understand or want this to guide your life, I do not take offense to that. But I want to share with you what guides my life. And what guides my life says to me that God is Jesus. And that Jesus is God. And it says here in Philippians 2, 6, who, Jesus, being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And if we want to go just a couple of more books, Colossians 
says this. Chapter 1, verse 15 says, He being Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The second chapter, the ninth verse of Colossians says this, For in Christ, for in Jesus, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And so the argument for me stops there. And what I want to just say to you this morning about my God is that He came to us and He came pursuing you. And that's not a blanket statement for just this entire church. I want you to know for every single one of you in this room today, He came here for you. The God of everything. The Creator of everything. God, Jehovah, came to this world for you. Now I understand that is hard to wrap our minds around. That the God of everything came to this world pursuing me. He came here pursuing you. And there's nothing that you can do about it. But Scott, I don't feel like I'm being pursued. If if I could just talk to you over in the corner for just one second, Scott, I would just tell you something that would let you know that about four weeks ago, I disqualified myself from the pursuit. He's pursuing you, whether you like it or not. Justin just came to church this morning with a group of friends, and he encountered Jesus' pursuit of him. Mark chapter 1, one of the most beautiful accounts of Jesus' relentless pursuit of you. Listen, I know you've been in church. You've sat through so many sermons. Man, I've given so many sermons that, listen, I am tired of them just going over into your head and out into space and being just some theory. I'm tired of it. Can I tell you that what we're getting ready to say over about the next six to seven minutes, guys, is your life. It is your reality. How I started this morning is exactly how I feel. God, I have nothing to give you. And so I don't know why you keep pursuing me. I have nothing. But listen, that's all of us in this room. Whether we want to be honest about it or not, we have nothing to give to God. And neither did this man here in Mark chapter 1. 
You see, this man in Mark chapter 1 had absolutely nothing but a nasty disease to give to Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40, it says, A man with leprosy. And I don't want to go into the gruesome details of leprosy here this morning, but back in the old days, you didn't touch someone with leprosy. You didn't get around someone with leprosy. You wanted nothing to do with a leper. If you had leprosy back in those days, you were as good as dead. So this man, who was as good as dead, he had nothing to give to Jesus. He says to him, verse 40, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. It's my only thing I want you to take away from here this morning. It's not a man with leprosy. It's not the fact that even God is Jesus. The one thing I want you to take away from here this morning is you have absolutely nothing to give to God. And He is still willing to give everything He has to you. Jesus, my God, is willing. He's willing He is willing to meet you where you are, in your mess, in your doubts, in your fears, in all of your questions, in all of your sins, in all of your junk. And He's willing to meet you just like He was with this leper. Some of you have asked the same question that this leper asked Jesus. Jesus, like I'm a wreck. The leper man, he was dead. We are the same way without Jesus. Jesus, I have nothing. But if you're willing, Jesus, could you help me with this one? Jesus, I don't even know where to turn next. Jesus, the world is caving in on me. Jesus, the stress of this life is about to overtake me. Jesus, if you're willing. I don't have anything to offer you, Jesus. I have nothing. Listen to what my God says. Verse 41. It says, my God is filled with compassion. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. And God said, I am willing. Look at what Jesus just did. The law says, do not touch a leprous person. 
you will be considered ceremonially unclean if you touch a leper. But can I tell you, Jesus did not see a leprous man. Jesus saw a man who was whole and complete because Jesus was able to look beyond the sickness. He was able to look beyond the disease. He was able to look past the category that the world had put this man into. And Jesus saw a man. And says he touched him. Because he had compassion on him. And because he was willing. And this man became clean. And so I just wonder. Because God, I don't have anything to bring to you. I just wonder, is it possible that whatever I did bring into you today, Jesus, whatever I drug into this church today, Jesus, brokenness, anger, addiction, and you name it, is it possible, Jesus, that you have the ability to look beyond my sickness? That Jesus, you have the ability to look past my disease. Jesus, do you still have the ability to look beyond my sin? And not see me as I see me or as the world sees me. Is it possible that you can look beyond that and see me as whole? You say, I don't think it's possible. In fact, I know it's possible. You see, again, going back to the book that I base my life off of. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and some of you need to turn there right now because you, I lost you just about 25 seconds ago. You lost me, Pastor Scott. Jesus, is it possible to look past and beyond my, and you fill in the blank? I say absolutely. Because it says here in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates His own love for us in this. Listen, this is my God. You tell me that my God is angry at you? No. He said He demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still lepers... While we were still sick. While we were still sinners. 
It said, God died for us. It says, Christ died for us. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you thought you brought into this place. My God loves you so much that from the very beginning, this was His plan. But He knew there was going to come a day when your very small little willingness would encounter the love of His Son, Jesus. Because my God is so willing that He came down here for us. Even though we had nothing to ever give to Him. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. Listen, I know there's a lot of Christians in this room and I think it's phenomenal. Let me speak to you in one minute. If you're a Christ follower in this room, I need you to look at what this leper did. He came crawling on his knees to Jesus. It was an act of submission and humility. There are some Christians in this room today and we have gotten a long ways off from humility. Hey, listen, we don't have to get saved again. We're saved. Jesus died for us. Our sins are forgiven. He loves us. You love Him. There's some of us today, though, that need to remember, Christ followers, listen to me, that we need to remember that this life is not about you. And so we can look and we can learn from this very humble leper. But I know that there may be somebody here today and you do not have this relationship with Jesus and today you are willing no matter how small of an amount it may be you are willing to accept His willingness. Hey God, I am a sinner And I need forgiveness for my sins. I need your son Jesus to be my savior. And today, I give you my life. And I trust my life to you. And I trust you, God, that you will direct my next steps. Jesus, I love you. Today, if that's you, if you prayed something like that, anything similar, I would love to see your hand. Would you just raise your hand high? I want to see it. Raise it high. Do not raise that hand. Yeah. 
I see them. Here's what I'm going to ask you. If you're raising your hand, I need to know your name. I need to know how to get a hold of you. Not that we're going to stalk you. Not that we're going to bother you. No, we are going to journey together. And I'm going to introduce you to some of the greatest followers of Jesus that I've ever met. Because we're going to take next steps together. There's a connection card somewhere around you. If you don't have one, there's some at the welcome table. I just need your name, maybe an email address. And I just need you to say, today I accepted Jesus and I made him my savior. And the journey begins. Today, if you just said yes to Jesus, my Bible, what guides my life, says that you are a brand new creation. That the old is gone and the new has come. I don't know about you guys, man, but that is something worth celebrating.